Hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, Let Me Tell You About Evangelion. I'm Ashley, and I'm joined by Luke. You are. Uh, we're going to cover the second half of uh, Fully Cooly Progressive. Mm-hmm. And, hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. We've all just been saying, hmm, back and forth to each other since we finished watching it. Yeah. I believe the first thing I said to you was, I just finished it, and, hmm. Hmm. Uh, liked it better. It, it's an improvement. Yeah. It, it's better than the first part was. But still, it's... It's such a weird series, and not in the way... Okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I... mm, I feel like... They had about... Four different ideas for what this story could be. And didn't really make up their minds which one to go with. I also feel like they had... A couple main characters they couldn't pick up their minds. Yeah, make up their minds. that's part of what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just there's there's individual moments that I think like okay, this is actually I feel like this scene is effective, but then I don't really understand how it like jigsaw pieces in with everything else. Yeah, like there are moments where I'm like, oh, this is actually like some good like. There's a bit of emotional weight here, or like, oh, this seems really cool, or oh, this seems like just interesting to look at. Yeah. But it doesn't, like, at its best, Fully Cooly could feel like season one felt like it that was all part of a whole, and that it's like disparate parks work together. Right. And like, no matter how far they would get, like, you know, from what it like kind of baseline was. Yeah. In this one, like, it just, it doesn't feel like that. No, it never really comes together. And the pieces in this second half are better. Definitely, for sure. But they still don't fit together. No, they don't. Um, yeah, it's it's just so scatterbrained. Like, uh, and, like, thinking about it, this second half, like, maybe part of it is that we're watching it a week apart, this second half almost feels like a different show to me. Yeah, part of that I think is something I like instantly noticed is that like there's no dream sequences anymore. Like, the, yeah, I feel. Like, I mean, the first episode kind of has one, or the, the 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 second one does rather. Yeah, but like it is not as explicitly a dream sequence as that's true. The other ones were well, and, and kind of related to the dream sequences. Like, hey, remember how a running theme in those first three episodes was. How Hidomi was, like, super blood horny? Yeah. That's just gone. Yeah, not anymore. Nope. Like, it seemed like they were setting up some kind of themes about, like, she has sexual feelings towards violence, but also maybe weird, like, depression feelings and maybe even, like, suicidal thoughts and all of those different feelings are all just kind of mixed together in this complicated, unhealthy miasma and maybe part of her character will be sorting that out. And instead it's just, no, nah, nah, don't worry about any of that. It's different now. Yeah, it, it's so weird. Like, they went so hard on, like, ah, it, it, they were very, like, they had a lot of BDSM-type imagery in the first half. And obviously, yeah. like, their 
when I say they go hard on it, I, obviously it's not like people in harnesses and like nipple clamps or whatever. Yeah, but like, it's, it, it's it, a very recurring theme with it. Yes, like the reason why she originally became interested in Ida. Right, is because she is, saw someone beating him up and whipping him. Yes, and it's it's so weird. Yeah. Uh, should we just go through the episodes? I guess so. Yeah, I. I think we both just finished watching this within the per- last couple hours, so we both probably need to talk through this a bit to really settle our thoughts about it. Yeah. So, episode four opens yes. with... Luke uh, QR, or Lou PQR, yeah. I think it is. Yeah. Uh, with, uh... Hidomi is now super energetic. Yeah, she's very happy and bubbly, kind of like some of her dream sequences. Yes. Um, except she's not talking about murder and dying. Yeah. Uh, which we were worried that, like, oh, what if she's just, like, not a character for this next one? Right, I thought she'd be, like, in a coma, and she's not yes. in a coma. And I guess they, they, they do reveal things about her character in this episode. She's not totally just a different person. Yeah. But she's partially a different person. Yes. Uh, and so it's cutting between, like, her acting all energetic with, like, interviews with all of the side characters. Yeah, where they're talking about, like, what happened at the beach and, like, how Hidomi is different now. Yeah. Oh, uh, we see the uh, Nauta's cat. We do see, uh, yeah, now it's cat hanging out on a bike, just watching her, like, skip by. The, like, I'll say that we talked a lot about how the animation was very, like, samey throughout the first three episodes. I kind of immediately was feeling a little better about this one, because the animation style is different in this scene. Yeah. Like, Hidomi is very, like, wiggly, and, like, her, her body, like, deforms a lot while she's moving around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that they, like the first series, uh, like, put a lot more of their animation budget here. Yeah. Uh, and I think they also do some just more interesting things. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Hidomi's mom says that, like, uh, oh, she's so, like, happy now, and this is the first time I feel like an actual mother. Weird like, thing like to say. Yeah. Weird thing that we're going to keep coming back to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marco admits that he kind of has a crush on her now mm-hmm. because of her change in personality. Uh, Haruko is labeled as 16. <laughs> yes. Uh, and is very mad about this. Yeah, she's extremely angry that the headphones have like locked her off from whatever she's trying to get out of Hidomi. Yeah. Um, and Junyu just explains that the headphones are, like, a security device installed in her by Medical Mechanica to, like, contain her power, basically. Yes. And you get shots at this episode of, like, the headphones have, like, a Wi-Fi signal on them showing whatever, like, radio waves they're receiving that are controlling her. Yeah. Uh. But, yeah, like, she is just, like... Almost just, like, stereotypical. Like, she has gone from, like, everyone would call her a, like, Sudari girl to yeah. a Genkai girl. Right. Basically. Uh-huh. And Ide, like, is 
Fortunately, like, not facing the camera in his interview and goes, like, that's not Hidomi. Yeah. He's the only one that, like, fully seems, like, concerned for her. Yes. Uh, and, yeah, she's she's super happy at school. Meanwhile, at the cafe, there's, like, a group of hippies. Yeah, and they're singing about Fooly Cooly. Well, they're singing, uh, uh Folliculi Follicula, which sounds like Fooly Cooly. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is, you know, sure. Uh, Hidomi is, like, drawing on the window of a shop that sells, like, charms and stuff. Oh, uh, I was gonna mention that, uh, after Ida has been like, no, fuck you, Haruko, fuck you. Oh, right, yeah. In the third episode, he is back to being like, come on! He's, like, begging her to save Hidomi. Yeah. And she's blaming him for what happened, and he's apologizing, and uh, Jin Yu is also trying to convince Haruko to help, and she's just kind of trying to ignore them both. Yeah. Uh, there's a funny line where uh, Haruko goes, Do you enjoy dressing up like a maid? And like, <laughs> Yeah. Jin Yu just no sells her and goes, like, No, medical, medical mechanica, that's where we need and, to like, go. like talks over her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Hidomi is, like, drawing this big mural on a store window, and Marco bumps into her. On his way to work. Unfortunately, with no toast in his mouth. No toast in his mouth. Uh, but yeah, he, he bangs into her, and she starts trying to explain this mural she's drawn, which is just, like, kind of an outer space scene with, like, musical notes everywhere, and, like, piano keys, and she's just rambling about how it's, like, the song of the stars that she's drawn or something like that. Yeah. And Marco is like, oh, this is my manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Uh, but then he remembers that he's late for work. Yeah. Uh, and he works at the amusement park, which has been busy. Yeah, it was in like one scene in the first three, and it's, it's very central in these episodes now. Yes. Uh, they're uh, installing a new ride there. Yeah. Uh, and we see, uh, Aika. Yeah. I think that's her name, right? Aiko, maybe? Aiko, yeah. Uh, and she is on a fake date with someone else, and his time goes out, uh, like, while they're at the park. Yeah, I do like the cuckoo clock, where, like, the bird just comes out and starts screaming. Yeah. That's good. And she gives him a, uh, carving of a bear that, like, yep, this is what you just bought. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just, I guess, just refreshing us on what her shtick is. Yes. Uh, they reveal the new ride. It's just a Viking ship. Yeah, like one of those pirate ship rides. But, it, yeah, it's Viking-themed. And so I was like, oh, it's just a Viking ship. Right. Uh, but Marco uh, shows up, and we it's revealed that the, do- the person in the Dodo costume is one of the other people who visits, visits the tea shop a lot. Yeah, and then uh, then we get reintroduced to our favorite character. Yeah. Yeah. I just wrote Conti, no! Uh, so the upper half of Conti's torso is crucified in uh, the weird baseball cap guy's, like, intelligence room. Yeah. And just, like, tied to a crucifix with cable. And we find out that the flower pot is a 
one of a kind thing that got sold to Mako last uh, episode is made out of Conti. Yeah. And is this where they explain what the flower pot does, or is that later? I should put captions on while I'm watching along with this, so it would uh, be, yeah. No, I don't think they explain what the flower uh, pot does now. Right, no, the old guy is just, like, uh, chastising this guy for, uh, like, losing the flower pot, because it's very crucial to their plans. No, wait, they do explain, when, after uh, Aiko comes back in. Oh, you're right, yeah, so, so what the flower pot is, is that... Eno lets you pull things from other places, and the flower pot, which is made out of Conti parts, they think that you can use it to send things to other places. If you, like, use the flower pot to reverse the polarity on someone's head or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so I go, like, after hearing a bit of this, opens up the door and the regular room, like, crashes back down. Yeah, it's it's a pretty alright effect where just yeah the walls like come smashing in and Conti's head just I think he just gets severed right yeah and it it replaces the TV that was there yeah uh and then we see that uh the her dad and uh the old man are uh acting like he's doing boxing practice and right. so that's what he was saying when you could be a pro. Right. It's, it's all, like, fake boxing. Yeah. Uh, so he, he approaches Aiko and says, oh, you could be a pro, and she knees him in the gut, and he's very impressed with how strong she is. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, can you stop letting this dude in? Like, all of the neighbors think it's weird. Right. And he tries to apologize to her by giving her amusement park tickets. Yeah. And she explains that she doesn't have any interest in going to an amusement park. She'd rather go to, like, a day spa or something. After all, they just installed some dumb Viking ship ride, and they freak out about that. Yeah. It's that a... I know what the amusement park's, like, deal is. I don't know why they're, uh, like, going nuts about the Viking ship specifically. Yeah, like, I guess it could be, like, the final piece of the puzzle. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. But they don't, like, make that obvious, and it's more like a, oh, what does the, for for you to think, like, oh, what does the Viking ship mean? Right, yeah. And the answer is nothing in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marco is at work at the amusement park. He's getting strapped into the Viking ship, and he has a big old helmet with giant cables plugged into it. And, like, a selfie cam. Yeah, like a GoPro, basically. Yeah, yeah. And it's revealed that he is, like, doing this extra job. Uh, like, this specific, like, being a test pilot, basically. Yeah. Uh, to buy that charm for Hidomi. Uh-huh. Hidomi, who's just, like, dancing around in, like, a little kid's playground. Yeah. And she's just saying completely nonsense. Yeah. She's, like, talking about dreams or something. Yeah. Uh, Jinyu is explaining her plan to save Hidomi to Ide and Haruko. Uh, basically that... Yeah, the headphones are drilled in too deep into her head for them to just remove. They have to disable the signal coming from Medical Mechanica at the same time as they remove the headphones... 
I think they say, like, Jin is going to be responsible for taking care of the headphones while Haruko deals with Medical Mechanica. Uh, because yeah. she doesn't want to let Haruko be alone with Hidomi. Yes. Uh, and Ide's job is basically to babysit her while they uh, get everything in, like, put all their plans in place. Yeah, and also grab Hidomi. Right, they're, like, driving down the street in Jinyu's car, and he just, like, grabs her off the sidewalk as they drive by. Yeah. Uh, then Marco's in the Viking ship, which is, like, pointed directly at Medical Mechanica, basically. Yeah. Uh, and it ends up twisting around... <laughs> Yeah, it, like, uh, like, twists up so he's upside down, and, like, his head is just barely not grinding against the ground. Yes. And, uh, uh that's... That's where he is. Yep. Like, he is going in between, like, the two wheels that, like, propel it. Yeah, like, if he'd been sitting to the left or right, his head would have just gotten crushed. Yeah. Um, they get to Medical Mechanica, at which point Jin Yu reveals she doesn't actually know how to get inside of Medical Mechanica. Yeah. Uh, so her and Haruko start arguing. Uh, and Jinyu's still, like, very much trying to, uh, get them to work together because they gotta get asked Adamesk. And yeah. while that's happening, Hidomi, who's still all, like, giddy and silly, finds the potted plant, like, down in the, like, footwell of the car. And, uh, something happens where it bonks her on the head. No, it bonks uh, Ida on the head. Oh, you're all right. She, like, throws she, it up in she, the air. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, she throws it up in the air because she's goofy now. Right, he says, like, oh, you paid a really, like, high price for it or something. And she goes, hi. Oh, and, like, throws it up in the air. Yeah, and uh, his N.O. activates. Right, but in reverse. Yeah, and so it ends up sucking in Jinyu and Haruko. Yes. Uh, and they're just like, he's just like, wait, what, what happened? <laughs> right. I guess presumably sending them into medical mechanica, right? Yes. We don't. They don't ever say where they are, but that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah. Uh. Oh, and also, Genu, like before they get sucked in, Genu says to Harko, like he doesn't want you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Meanwhile, the weirdos are like tying Conti up to take him somewhere. Yeah. And they get a notification that the flower pot has activated. Yeah. Uh, and so that they like know like, oh, okay, someone has used NO to reverse the flow of right NO. Yeah. So yeah, Haruko and Junior are, like I said, presumably inside of Medical Mechanica. Uh, yeah, that's what it seems like. Yeah. It's just like a big, like, sci-fi staircase that they're climbing. And Jinyu keeps trying to either get Haruko to listen to her or rile her up. A little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, Haruko is getting very fed up with listening to her. Uh, oh, also, before we get, like, cut to inside. Yeah. Uh, Edith's like, oh, man, I can't wait till you're back to being the real, like, the... Yeah real Hidomi, and she's like, what? No, and like, it, it's like, much, it becomes much quieter, and she's like, I'm all, I've am i always been like this. 
Yeah. Like forever since as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just a weird thing. Yeah. Which, again, this is kind of like what she is like in some of her dreams. Yes. And so, like, maybe, like, oh, if, like, her real self is maybe more energetic. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> uh, uh yeah, go ahead. I like the design of Medical Mechanic inside, especially yeah. after we had seen, like, the broken, destroyed one. Yeah, definitely. There's, like, lots of weird machines in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, Haruko is yelling at Jinyu. She's, like, slamming the walls, just saying that, like, she needs to shut up because she's gonna get her way. She's gonna get Atomisk. And uh, Jinyu tells her that she's gonna fail. Yeah. And that's why they need to work together. But Haruko just does not listen to that part at all. She says she's going to devour her. Yeah. Uh, and Jin Yu says, like, Jin Yu, I think, is, like, drops, like, oh, that's why we're the same person. Right. Uh, but, yeah, like, Hidomi's, like, dancing up on the roof of Medical Mechanica. I don't even remember how they got up there. Uh, the car went up there. All right. <laughs> sure. Uh, and yeah, she like almost falls off, but Ide catches her because she's silly now. Yeah. Uh, and he, yeah, like, he ro- goes, get there very quickly after like not moving for like. Yeah. And what seems like is a long distance. Yeah, Idomi is explaining before she kind of almost jumps off that, like, she, like, she mentions that her dad is gone, and, uh... She she has, like, a line of, like, like, I can see everything, but where's my father? Right, and Ida's just like, oh, right, you don't have a dad, you you and your mom don't have your dad around, and Idomi just says that she doesn't have a mom either, she has a mommy. Yeah. I don't understand... I, I kind of understand what they're getting at with with all of that stuff throughout these episodes. Yeah. I wonder well, if it's like a cultural thing where like we're just like missing some piece of context to understand like their their use of words here. Yeah, or what we had thought was going to be in the last half uh-huh. like that she would end up being some sort of robot. And she might be still. Yeah, she might be still, but it's not something they really get into. No, they don't, they, they kind of just go with don't worry about it, which, that's fine. They don't have to explain that. No. Um, but... Yeah. But, like, all of the talk of, like, oh, I don't have a mom, or, like, oh, I suddenly felt like a mom for the first time. Right. Which ends up being, like, key to some of the emotional scenes that happen in this, uh, like, section. Yeah, very much so. There, there's, <laughs> yeah. It just ends up feeling weird. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know about you, this is probably partially, like, just a thing where, especially with how sexualized this show is, Yeah. when they keep using mommy, it's hard not to read into that in ways that I don't think they intend you to read into. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think that's not what it's going for in the slightest. No. But... All the same, when they keep saying, like, oh, I'm not your mom, I'm your mommy. I'm like, oh, oh. that's, oh. hmm, 
huh. <laughs> it's hard for me to ignore the way you can take that, even if I don't think that's how you intend it. Yeah. Uh, we come back inside, and uh, Harko and Janie are fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and over the course of their fighting, they destroy the transmitter. Yeah. Um, and, like, more of the conversation with Hidomi and Ide, they're kind of... Hidomi is just basically saying that she loves her headphones because the world makes her sad and the headphones let her block it out, basically. Yeah. Pretty much what Jinyu said in the first episode. Yeah. Uh, the Viking ship is going out of control, mm-hmm. and uh, it's revealed that like Marco also has uh, Inno, because he bumped into uh, Hidomi. Right. And like, yeah, his helmet is like starting to crack open, and uh, Haruko and Jinyu's fight is uh, like causing the plant to rumble, which knocks Ide on top of Hidomi, which is mm. like enough of like a an intimate moment to give her like a little no burst, and that yes. that makes her headphones like come off. Yeah, uh, and she's saying, "Oh, I'm gonna overflow." I like okay. We've talked. We talked a lot about it last time. I don't like how much this series uses the overflow phrase. Yeah, it just feels so much more than most of the parts of this. It just feels like, hey, remember FLCL? Wasn't that good? This is good yeah. too, right? Because we keep referencing the good thing. Because like the overflow part was used so sparingly in the first one. Yeah, they said it like twice. Yeah. And it, they've used it a lot here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Hidomi's N.O. goes off, and, like, a blue ghostly hand comes out, and it turns out to be Jinyu's, as she is, like, pulling herself out of Hidomi's head. Um, yeah. But she's, like, in, like, a powered-up form, where, like, she's got a cool big skirt, and also, uh, like, cigarillo that's, like, a sparkler? Yeah. Sure, why not? I, I like it. Yeah, I, I like the sparkler. Uh, but Haruko also comes out, and she's like a red glowy person, kind of like Naoto was in the last episode of the old show. Yeah. Uh, and they start, like, fighting. You know, they're flying around doing, like, Dragon Ball-type fighting in the air. And uh, around that same time, Marco's Anno finally, like, goes off entirely, and he just, like sprouts a very long bamboo shoot out his head? Yeah, it's... Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, sure. Uh, It somehow gets, like, wedged under the Medical Mechanica building. He gets, like, flung out of the pirate ship and is, is there now. Yeah. And just as he is growing, the bamboo shoot is just gradually making the plant stand on its end. Yeah. And then he also sprouts a robot that's, like, climbing the bamboo shoot. Yes. Like a koala robot or something. Mm-hmm. I don't get... Because in the old show, all the robots had, like, the same theme, where they were all, like, household appliances. Yeah. Where, like, Conti's a TV, there's, like, an electric tea kettle one, there's the the gun, everyone's favorite household appliance. Yeah. But, like, you know, Medical Mechanic's a big iron. Like, not every monster fit that bill, but it was it was a theme. 
Yeah. This time the monsters are just kind of weird blobs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think the robot design is as good this time. Yeah, it's not. And a lot of the, like, really good robot, like, the design of... Like, I like the little, like, patchwork doll version of Hidomi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, like, robot version we saw of her in the first episode. Yeah. But that that first one, especially, or the second one I talked about, but the one in the first episode... Right. ...is so based on, like, Conti. Yeah, it's very clearly just a more angular Conti. I do yeah. like the one she gets in, in the next episode, too, where she's, like, kind of half-robot. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Haruko and Jinyu keep fighting while the medical mechanica plant is, like turning upwards which is making and the car fall off the roof yeah uh, uh and so ida is like chasing it and he's like they like have a quick moment of, like oh i'm so glad you woke up and then he immediately runs into like a pole right he smashes face first into a pole and as he like pulls his head off of it like blood comes out of his nose yeah um the car with hidomi in it goes toppling off the edge of the roof and ida's idea for how to help is to just dive after it yeah he's a, sure he's a dumb boy he's a dumb boy well i mean it is a flying car i guess if you could i guess uh but he's like trying to catch up with it and doing all of these like comedic bits of like trying to swim through the air right uh and she eventually grabs his hand and they fall on top of each other and he's like Oh, I'm sorry, I can't believe that this happened, but... Also, we're like, falling to our death, so I don't have time right now, bye! Yeah, and they're, like, he's realized they're just about to hit, but Jin Yu picks them up. Yeah. Um, but, like, Jin Yu is also now losing the fight with Haruko, because she's having to try to, like, rescue them and fight Haruko at the same time. Yeah. Also, the koala robot's firing rockets at Haruko... Yeah, so Haruko is kind of fighting the koala and Jinyu at the same time, and Jinyu's trying to fight Haruko and save the kids at the same time. Yeah. Um, some of the animation on Haruko and Jinyu in this part is pretty cool. Yeah, I especially like when you see, like, Haruko's, like, big spiky teeth. Like, it's Yeah. Di- they, they make her, like, definitely appear more monstrous in this form. Oh, very much so, yeah. Well, Jinyu is still, like, pretty normal looking. Right. Other than being a blue glowing lady yeah uh the fight ends when haruko blows a hole in jinyu's chest and kills the koala robot all at once Mm -hmm. um but the the plant like doesn't need the bamboo shoot anymore because it kind of falls onto its its backside so it's standing up long ways now well uh she doesn't do it both at once uh she throws the car at it okay yeah yeah. robot and then jinyu's holding the car and Harko like uses that moment to right cut a hole in tar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and everyone just kind of goes crashing down to the ground while the immigration people are just like, "Well, oh dang, the iron stood up. What could it mean that the iron's standing up?" And again, it's very much it's trying to capture the magic of when the hand lands next to the old iron, and it's just not as cool. No, like in part because it's just not as cool of a visual. And in part because they're just aping themselves. Yeah. Instead of just doing something new. And I was also immediately like, man, is Jinyu gonna fucking die? Well. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Jinyu is like reverted to her normal form, and the hole went away. So that's that's a positive. Yeah. But Haruko is like choking her, and just like her energy hand touching her is making smoke come off of her skin. So that's a negative. Yeah. You know, life is all pluses and minuses. And they're kind of talking about Adamisk in kind of big ways, and yeah. Uh, and I feel like, okay, the end of this show is gonna do, is gonna try to do a lot of Haruko character work. Yes. I feel like this scene is a way better Haruko character scene than anything in the finale. Yes. Uh, because what she basically says, like, Jinyu is trying to tell Haruko that they can't own Adamesk, that he needs to be free, and they, if they really love him, they need to let him be free. And Haruko like, depowers and tells her that, actually, like, she doesn't understand Adamesk because he owns everything. And, like, even when he's imprisoned, he owns the prison he's trapped in. Yes. And they don't say it, but it kind of creates the impression to me that maybe Adamesk has been abusive towards Haruko in the past. Yes. In a way that, like... She is trying to capture him and steal his power and, like, consume him as a way to, like, regain agency that he's stolen from her somehow. Yes. Which, sure, yeah, I that's, that's an interesting yeah. way to take Haruko. Where it is, like, this cycle of abuse. Yeah, exactly. If you're gonna give Haruko depth, that's the way to go with it, I feel like. Yeah, like, in a way that does not necessarily exonerate her no not at all but is and somewhat helps explain why she has turned into such a horrible person right yeah and again if you're gonna do this weird like revival thing of an old show taking symbols from the old show and like inverting them is a good idea where like adamesk is this just very idealistic like vision of masculinity in the old show and to suggest like hey Maybe an ideal of masculinity can be bad sometimes is an interesting way to take it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but yeah, Haruko points out that like their different opinions about Adamisk prove that they're not the same person. Yeah. And then she turns into a big monster. Yeah. Uh, she has like a bee, like a hornet tail yeah. when she's a big monster. Yeah. Which is like, oh, she's the wasp woman, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't put that together, but you're right. Uh, and yeah, she... Her head is really big, and she just eats Jinyu. Yeah, and then she catches Jinyu's glasses, which she said was early were stupid. Right, the whole fight, she's been, like, making fun of Jinyu's glasses, but now she catches them and puts them on. Yeah. Uh... And that's basically the end of that episode. Yeah, I think the last episode, last shot of the episode is you kind of see through the sunglasses to see that Haruko has, like, Jinyu's eye color now. Yeah. Oh, and, and also Marco sees that Ida and, like, Kadomi are next to each other. And he's like, oh, dang. Yeah. I think there's also a bit where, like, Haruko invites Hidomi to also join her. And uh, Hidomi's like, no, I'm just, I'm just going to put the headphones back on. You just ate a person. Well, she's like, I finally understand well, yeah. what you what you want to do. Yeah. Like, that's why I have to put the... Like, that's why I can't go with you. Right. 
uh, and like the opening of the end credits start playing, like opening credit, indie credits music starts yeah. playing, which is which is always a good move. I mean, yeah. it's it's like a flourish that I'm kind of a sucker for. Yeah, this episode's not that good. No, it's okay. Yeah, I would say it's maybe I. I would say of the first four, it's probably the best one, but that's not necessary. That's damning with faint praise. Yes, it definitely was like like a okay. This is better at least. Like it's yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, and then we get to episode five. Right, which is probably the best of all of these. Yeah. It's fool on the planet, which is the name of a pillow song that plays several times in this episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This. This one is like they heard me whining that they didn't do enough experimental animation in this yeah. version of it. And they're like, all right, fucker. Well, here's a whole episode of it. Which, yes. like, there are really cool sequences in this episode, and I do like how it looks. But it is still, like, mostly one art style. Yeah. As opposed to the old show that would, like, kind of erratically flip between a lot of art styles. Yes. Uh, this opening sequence, though, is beautiful. This opening sequence is great. It looks like, like, animated charcoal drawings. Yeah, it is just so immediate, like, oh, this is... <laughs> right. Like, this is a look that I want to see, like, I don't know if I want to see a whole thing of this, but this is, like, it's so interesting to watch. Right, and also, this probably cost a lot of money and took a lot of time. Yeah. This probably explains why some of those early fight scenes look so shitty. But they're, like, it's Hidomi in this kind of, like, destroyed world. Yeah, like, basically a dream sequence like the ones we've seen before. Yeah. Um, there's just rows and rows and rows of Medical Mechanica plants. Yeah, and there are, like, broken body, like, skeletons, basically. Yeah, I think it's Ide who's just, like, sitting in a fetal position. You can't see his face because he's got, like, a helmet on, like, the the shadows over his face. And then there's, like, a weird, like, I don't know what the word for it would be, but it's, like, an etching of a skeleton in the dirt. Yeah, and she is, like, building that. Yeah, she's, like, finding objects in the environment to, like, put in place of its bones to make kind of just, like, a, almost like a cross-section of a skeleton. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, she ends up, like, stepping on what I think is, like, a bullet? Yeah, it's hard to tell because of the art style, but it's either, like, a bullet or, like, a shard of glass or metal or something. And yeah. she pulls out of her foot and then, like, incorporates that into her art project. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a shard of glass. And then, like, when she puts it on it, like, noticeably it has, like, a dark stain on it, which is, like, probably blood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she looks over and, like, one of the medical mechanic buildings, like, lit up. Mm-hmm. And then a giant all of them go off at once and there's just this giant steam thing and she gets tossed around like yeah. in this very like impressionistic way right and you're getting like a few occasional bits of color whereas everything else is grayscale yeah um it's, uh, it's very cool looking yes and then it goes from that to full color but like still very painterly yeah, and it's, like, one image with, like, a little bit of, like, some, it's, like, Hidomi floating in the water, and some of the water is moving around a little bit, but other than that, it's just a, yeah. the camera's panning over a still image, mm-hmm. and then it cuts back to the, the monochrome charcoal uh, look. But it is definitely, like, a much lighter charcoal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she's, like, happy now, as she's, like, running towards one of the giant, the upturned... Uh, yeah. 
And then she wakes up, and her headphones have kind of slipped off in her sleep. Yes. And we kind of... The scene of her waking up kind of introduces us to the main art style of this episode, which is just... It's like... It, it almost looks like they sketched it out digitally and then just colored it in and animated that instead of, like, full-on, like, inking it. Yeah. Like, it's too clean. It, well, I don't know animation. It looks too clean to be, like, actually, like, pencil work, but it it's not as clean as, like, animation usually is. Yeah. It's I a, like it. I, it's a neat look. Yeah, like I said, I I almost wish they had not done the entire episode this way and maybe done a few... Or gone the other way and, like, every episode looked kind of dramatically different. Yeah. But I like this and I appreciate they're doing some experimental stuff with uh, animation. That's that's a trade upward. Yeah. Uh, then we cut to Haruko and she is doing something weird on a roller coaster. Yeah, I'm just, you know, everyone was just waiting for that pregnant Haruko content. I was going to say Vor content. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's more accurate to what's going on, I guess. There's also... But she has a big belly that makes it look like she's pregnant. She does imply to other people that she's pregnant. Yes. Like, that's how she explains it away, even though the people she explained it to, which is mostly the class... Right. Probably didn't need to get explained. No. They're... Are they all still hypnotized? Probably. Right. Uh, yeah, she, so, she's like having a hard time moving around because her belly's so big. Yes. After eating her shadow self or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we cut back to the uh, immigration people who are like, oh, it stood up. Yeah. Uh, and they're saying, you know, vague kind of like, you know, cryptic bullshit. Right, again, it feels like it is just copying the style of dialogue from the original show. Yes. Without really feeling authentic. Yeah. Which, again, I feel like this is the best episode of the set, but it doesn't escape that problem completely. No. It still feels like a cover band doing it rather than... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, like, the band you're covering had a lot of problems. Yeah. But, uh, they, they are driving in a, uh, like two. I guess the junkyard. Yeah, they've got like a pickup truck full of garbage that includes Conti's head. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, the the medical mechanic plant, because it's standing up, all the steamers are just pointed out at the world, and it's just filling the city with fog. Yeah. Oh, and it's not the junkyard. It's the. Uh, uh, Immigration Center Orbital, Ele- Orbital Elevator Center. Oh, you're right. I missed the... I, I'm looking at it now. I see the in the background you have, like, an actual, like, space elevator thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, does, it also just says it. Does it? Where does it? Yeah. Oh, maybe it didn't subtitle that on the version I'm looking at. Oh, no, there it is. I'm just dumb. Uh, but, yeah, they're they're here to drop off Conti because uh, it just seems like they can't get anything more out of him. Um, The guy at the gate thinks that it's just an old TV that this guy is weirdly sentimental about parting with. And he's like, oh, it took me a while for for me to throw away my first cell phone. Like, you know, 
he also looks different than like most characters look. He right. looks like <laughs> he looks like an he, Animal Crossing character. Yes. <laughs> like he's yeah, he looks like he belongs in a children's book or something. Yeah. Uh, Mako is showing off a flyer for the Dodo Park. Uh, is it? It's isn't it Miro? It's not Miro. Is it not? No, I'm pretty sure. I, I thought his name was Goro Miro. Oh yeah, you're, you're right. I combine. Yeah. yeah, I think you no. were combining Marco with. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, doesn't matter that much. No. <laughs> Both of these guys will remain not to be characters. The 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 boy who wears a skirt has a yeah. flyer to the amusement park and is really trying to get Ida to go with him. Uh, he's explaining that couples get a ninety nine percent discount. Yes. Which, huh? Hmm, weird. And he's like, oh, I'm going to invite Aiko. Well, Aiko invited me. She said she wanted to go to the amusement park. Yeah. What's like, buddy? Buddy. <laughs> buddy. Yeah. Uh, but Hidomi walks in, and Ide just completely, like, tunes Goro out. And then uh, Haruko comes, like, bursting in the classroom on her Vespa. Yeah. And she explains that she... Has fallen in love, and she's getting married, and she's going to be a housewife now, so she's quitting as a teacher starting today. Yeah, this is her last day. Yeah. And, like, she's going through a lot of costume changes during this speech. She, like, changes into a wedding dress, and then, like, she gets, like, an apron and, uh, like, or puts her hair up in a rag. And there's a creepy baby doll at the back of her. <laughs> she's got a baby Bjorn with a creepy baby doll in it. Uh, yeah, she gives them, like, a bunch of crayon illustrations explaining that she went to the amusement park and met her true love there because he saved her from a roller coaster that almost hit her. Uh, and he just throws, and he's, one, it is Adamus drawn as this giant bird. It's like, Adamus in a, in a tuxedo. Yeah, with, like, a, with a top hat. It's, it's just Woody Woodpecker in a suit. Yeah, and he throws the roller coaster off its tracks, and like you just see them like as they're kissing, a giant explosion happen behind them, and yeah. all the people get thrown away. Yeah, it's pretty good. And she's basically saying that like if you want to find true love like me, you need to go to the amusement park. And all the kids just like form a riot and run out of school to go to the amusement park. Yeah. Uh, and only uh, Ida and Hidomi are left. Yeah. Uh, Hitomi, who is just, uh, like, bored looking out the window, even though every other desk in the room has been, like, destroyed. Yeah. And, uh, Haruko is, like, trying to, like, get her to listen to her and convince her, no, you were the one I wanted to go to the amusement park most of all. Come on. There's a bit of, like, kind of good in it, like... I just like the same way where she's, like, twisting her head slowly around. Yeah. And she's, like, got girl problems, gotta... <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Ide picks up the guitar case he has now and tells Haruko to leave Adomi alone and they need to talk. Yeah. Uh, so they go... I, I think this is on the roof. It's it's They're at a swimming pool that's emptied out. Yeah. And Haruko is wearing, like, a bathing suit with her jacket over it and, like, wiggling her toes in his face. This is really more our usual speed of, uh, foot fetish stuff. (laughs) Oh, you mean mean because it totally spies? Yeah, John claude came back. whoa, now, hold on a second, Ashley. I don't... 
<laughs> I had no no kink shaming, but don't speak for me. No, yeah, John Claude came in to direct this episode. Yeah, uh-huh. And uh Ida is like trying to tell Haruko to leave Edomi alone, and she's just kinda not paying attention to him. She calls him a white knight. Yeah. Uh, he takes out Jin Yu's guitar that he took from the scene where they fought. Yeah. And I think I can, which was the song that played over the climax of the old show starts playing. And, like, he goes to, like, swing at her and she just blocks it with her foot. Yeah. And I do like this. Like, as far as, like, callbacks to the old show, I think this one works pretty well. Yeah. Where it's, it's the music you associate with, like, someone finally standing up to Haruko... And it's him just... He's not even getting his ass kicked, because he's not enough of a threat to bother hurting. Yeah, like, she gets hit, like, once. Yeah, he gets one good swing in on her, and the rest of the time she is, like, effortlessly dodging, or, like, sneaking up behind him and, like, giving him tips on, like, how to better, like, like hold his body while he's fighting. Yeah. And I like her, like, this is good Harko villain stuff. Absolutely, yeah. Where she is, like, using that same, uh, like, that same tone and the same kind of thing she does when she is, like, trying to seduce someone. Right. To taunt him during battle. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's also, again, calling back the old show because she's basically giving him batting practice. Yeah, it, another one of the, like, Lines, I think, that, like, you didn't need to do that, which is, she's like, you gotta swing with your own bat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but eventually yeah. she knocks him down and, like, is on top of him and is talking about, like, oh, it's a shame that he sucks so much because she really, you know, thought that he might be useful. But, and th- that's why she invested so much time into him. But, uh, turns out that he sucks. Yeah. Uh, I think she makes a crack about how, like, you know, if if taking a beating was how, was what made you cool instead of get, being able to give a good beating, then he'd be the best. Uh, yeah. Because that's... Well, she he, doesn't even say that he's he'd be the best. It's just, like, you wouldn't be such a loser. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is a good distinction of, yeah, like... no, you're right. You're not even... You could never be the best. You just wouldn't be such a loser. Right. Um... But he kind of laughs at her and says that actually she's the one who's dumb and doesn't understand anything. And actually I'm laughing. Yeah. Uh, Because he's not attracted to her. And she gets very angry for a second. Yeah. Uh, Because she's like straddling him while... Right. And like, that's how she manipulates people is by like... You know, seducing them, and he's telling her that it doesn't work on him. Yeah, his line is, you don't satisfy me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she whips her jacket off, so she's just in her bathing suit, and uh, kind of leans over him, and just as she does, Hidomi comes out. Yeah, and she doesn't see them instantly. No, it just looks like an empty pool, but then she kind of walks closer and can see over the edge where they are. And sees Haruko, like, on top of him like that, which, yeah. uh, like, sparks up jealousy in her, which then opens up her Eno channel, which is still reversed. Yeah. 
And so at first I was like, oh man, is this gonna be the thing? Like, is her going to be like, I'm jealous of Haruko for... Right, yeah. Which, it is the thing in this scene, but yeah. It gets much weirder. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So she sucks Ide into her uh, so that he just goes into her head. And all that's left of him is a weird, like, flat... It's almost like his shadow got left behind. Yeah. But then, at where his heart would be are two tiny speakers. Yes. Um, but, like, it's not animated in the way that, like, it did when, uh, Genie and Harko got, like, brought into Ida. Right. Where they just kind of, like, got pretty simply sucked in. Like, his skin is, like, undulating. He's, like, becoming, like, really weird forms. Yeah. And then his, like, skin gets, like, ripped off. And he, there's just, like, a bunch of light that also gets sucked in. Right. It's, like, very visually, like, intense. Yeah, it's it's some cool animation. Yeah. Which this show was lacking. But, yeah, she's it's, like, his shadow that... It's, like... Looks like it's almost like made out of rubber. Yeah, it's it's almost like a skin suit or something. Yeah. Uh, and Harko's like, well, I guess this time it might get really bad. Yeah. Anyway, not my fault. Bye. And she yeah. just blasts off on her Vespa. Hmm. And uh, I think at this point, it's like the commercial break, and then we cut to the amusement park where things are happening. I really did like the commercial break at that point, just because it is like. This such this like horrible moment of like oh no like right Harko like powers have like seem to have like basically killed Ida right and then you get like Fuikali yeah 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 uh but yeah so all the kids are lined up outside of the amusement park they're drawn like a very simplistic art style uh, all the boys are blue all the girls are pink and uh, the announcement comes on that says that. Basically, anyone who's in a couple gets in for free. Yeah, and so all of the kids just couple off. Yeah, and it is not just boys coupling with girls, it's it's just any two people. Yeah. Which, you know, sure. If you want a fucking cookie, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even though they're one instance of a gay couple and this is used for comedy. Yeah. Uh, but the the joke of this scene is that everybody couples up, but there's an odd number of people and, uh, Mori is left out. Yeah. He's just there by himself. And so he's, like, feverishly teching uh, Aiko. Right. And then we get this Uh, scene of, like, this very overblown high school romantic melodrama thing. Like, that very, like, it's animated like a more traditional anime. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like a girl and a boy on a bench, like, feeling very intense about their feelings. Uh, and then the boy says, like, I love you. But then another boy comes out of the bushes and says, I love you. And the two boys start, like, yelling at each other. And they run at each other to punch, but then they start making out instead. They, like, turn yeah. into wiggly snakes and wrap around each other and start kissing. Yeah. And the girl's just kind of left being like, what? what? And, and all her- of- Yeah, go ahead. All of their NOs activate. Yeah, yeah. And 
the man in the bird suit is just watching this and also watching uh, Marco, who's just wired up in his helmet again somewhere. Yeah. And, and yeah. I guess it makes sense that people who are like this age can all use NO. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, listen, the rules for that have never been super clear. Yeah. It just felt weird to. Like, they're like. It seemed like, oh, only a few people can use it like it. Like, that's why, uh, like, like, she had to, like, look for Naoto so much. Right. And then this one, she's like, oh, I guess everyone can. Well, I guess you could argue it's, like, you know, uh, it's, like, what, 20 years later? Yeah. So, maybe that's just all there is to it. That, you know, time's moved on and there's different technology now. Yeah. Uh, the two immigration boys are, like, looking at their computer screen, reading about the amusement park. There's a whole bit where they have to, like, go to a secure mode that turns their screen into, like, a takeout menu. I, I, I like this. It was yeah, a yeah. good series of jokes, because they're, like, first gotta click on the, you know, the, the, the Kiwi phone strap at the bottom. Right. And then it gets taken to the takeout, then it gets taken to... Like, okay, now click on, like, you know, this, and that takes you to another website, and, like, okay, that takes you to another website. Right. Uh, and they finally click on the right one, where, like, he uses his, like, his little hammer. Yeah. And, like, hits his finger into the right place. And even after all that, like, the he's still acting like, it's supposed to be a thing where it's like, oh, you called the dodo. Yeah, it's so they're calling the guy in the bird costume who acts like he's just the guy in the bird costume before dropping the act and revealing that he is, uh, like one of them, basically. Yeah, and he's like, Oh, sorry about that. Sometimes a kid somehow manages to get there, right? And like this whole scene, they're trying to have a serious conversation with him about their plans, but he keeps running off to go greet kids, yeah, or greet like teenagers who just push him down, yes. <laughs> Uh, like, he's asking them about the flower pot, which they still don't have, but they're like, don't, don't worry about it, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and we don't really get a clear picture of what their plan is yet, uh, they hang up. And you know what, I'm looking at this guy's desktop now, I did just notice they got some foreshadowing here. Uh, where his desktop is like a workshop, and on one side, Conti is sitting on a workbench, and he's like wired up to a small robot figure yeah and then it cuts from that to um Iko sitting in the same like pose like facing the same way as the robot girl in the desktop picture yeah okay yeah you're yeah. right so yeah sure they they did technically seed that before the last five minutes of the show seed that i see what you did there uh-huh, yeah uh-huh i'm clever uh, she stuffed some of the money she made earlier into a, like, ceramic jack-o'-lantern that she's got in the closet. Yeah, and, like, her dad comes in and is, like, she, like, immediately, like, shuts and they share, like, a staring at each other for a bit. Yeah. Uh, the Ida, like, shadow, uh, you just hear water come out of. Uh, yeah, like, it's like the, going, the... like, water. Yeah, the speakers are, like, super blown out. You can't really understand what he's saying, but you do make out the word water. Uh, so Hidomi takes the, the shadow blob thing over to a shower and just turns it on 
And she just kind of stands there holding it up in the water. And then we get kind of a version of the manga stuff from the old show. Yeah. Kind of. Like, it's... It looks like manga panels, but it's much more, like, sedate. I like this. Yeah, I like this, too. I I think of all of the, like, very blatant callbacks they've done. Yeah. Like, having this be, like, a much more shoujo manga. Right. And have it be this kind of, like, to kind of subvert what the original manga scenes were, which were all very high energy and, like, rapid pans. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, You know, when I was watching it, I was a little like, eh, because I got what they were going for, but it also just felt a lot like, wow, this is clearly much lower budget than the old manga sequence. But no, you're right. I, I think they do a good job of kind of repurposing that imagery. I mean, it's definitely, like, lower budget. For sure. But it is, like, meant to be a different thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, you, I'm, you, you brought me around on it. <laughs> uh, but it's, but it's, it, it's a flashback while Hidomi's talking about how she never wants to remember what happened this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, because basically what happened this morning is that her mom was packing everything up in the cafe to close it down. Yeah. And uh, including, like, all the new plates they got because Jinyu, like, apparently Jinyu ordered some. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, I forget what we learned exactly when, but basically, her dad left them, and the idea was they had this cafe when he left, and they're gonna maintain it and stay here until he comes back, and everything is exactly how he left it. Yeah. Um, and seeing that her mom has, like, given up on that idea and is getting ready to close down the shop. She feels, like, abandoned by her mom. Yes. That, like, this coping mechanism that they both shared is going away without, like, her input about it. Yeah, as she's doing that in the present, the shadow is inflating? Yeah. It's becoming a bubble, buddy. Yes. And it starts to lift up into the air and just float away into the sky. And Hidomi feels very lonely, and her NO goes off again and just starts sucking, like a crater forms under her as she's like sucking in the concrete around her. This was definitely like one of those moments where I'm like, this is like, even if I don't know if any of this is like super connecting with me. Right. Just the imagery of this is so, like, good. Yeah, on a visual level, this episode is really strong. Yes. In a way that the rest of the show isn't. Yeah. Uh, Because we only get the crater from, like, a very far away, like, long distance. So, like, you only kind of, like, understand what's going on. It looks very, like... Yeah. 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 Uh, meanwhile, at the amusement park, all of the kids' N.O. is going off all at once. Uh, the bird suit man has come out in, like, a bulletproof vest. Yes. And all of the other theme park employees have, like, gas masks and guns. Yeah, it's... Well, like, he... First, like, the first time he pulls up, he does, like, he's wearing a bulletproof vest, but... And, like, a... Helmet, which I think he was actually he was wearing before. Yeah, he was. Uh, but all of the employees are just like look like normal employees, right? And then like it cuts away for like five seconds, and then the next time it cuts to them, they all have 
uh, the like those gas masks and guns. Right. And he starts yelling about how the kids here who don't have all their hair down there yet are useless to them. But everyone else, and like they start shooting them with the guns, which is sucking all the NO energy out of their heads. Yeah. Which is then powering up all of the rides at the theme park so that they can all fuse into a giant mecha that uh, Marco is serving as the core as in order to fight the medical mechanica plant. Yeah. But listen, they only you know, get it like halfway full. Yeah, listen, you know me. I was always I, I there's no world where I didn't love this. <laughs> yeah, it's it I mean it's cool looking. Yeah. Cause it like all of the like roller coaster goes are like around this it, like the body of it is like their version of Cinderella Castle. Yeah. And it is like yeah, it's just I think it's a cool design. Yeah, I like it. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like they're not getting it fully transformed. I guess we never really see it fully transformed. No. Because it never breaks like 60%. Um, but the Birdman is like, no, that's it doesn't matter. We're, we're going to fight back. We're going to show them that even if they flatten out the wrinkles of our brain, we'll always fight them. And the thing goes on the attack. It like shoots all of the... Uh. Go ahead. I was going to say that I did actually really like the shot of, like, he's, like, yelling in the Dota costume, and, like, his, like, the costume's tongue is, like, flapping around, and it, as he's screaming, it just, like, zooms in quickly, and you see, like, goes, like, through the mask of the costume, like, and you just see him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, like, the mecha starts, like, shooting off all of the passenger cars as rockets towards the medical mechanica plant. Even including a train? Yeah, uh-huh. And it's just bombarding it. There's explosions everywhere. And when the dust settles, the plant is damaged in the shape of a sad face. But it's not, like, broken. And it just kind of, like, gleans and, like, shines. And then, like, all the damage is repaired. Yeah. And then it shoots a giant laser at the uh, thing. Yeah. Uh, Then we cut to the... Uh, Ida's, like, shadow bubble buddy. Yep, I like this animation a lot, too. Oh, this animation's so good. Where it's just this inflated shadow, like, spiraling through outer space, drifting away from the Earth. And... And, Yeah. Also, it's like, for a bit, it's just, like, in complete darkness, but you can still, like, see, like, just, like, the, like, little shine on it to, like, make it different than everything around it. Yeah, yeah. And then it kind of bumps up against this giant, goofy-looking space station where a big cartoon hand comes out of it and grabs it. This is the Immigration Control Center Lost and Found Satellite Storage. Yes. And uh, it just tosses the shadow into a chute inside of it, and it ends up, like, falling in with a bunch of other, like, just metal detritus. The animation of it falling through the chute is also amazing. Yeah, it's just, like, bouncing around, and, like, the only... The shoot's, like, shape is only defined by these occasional, like, rings of light. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, but it just lands in, like, a pile of metal scrap. And something runs along the ground in this room. And yeah. uh, an old woman comes in to investigate. And Conti's uh, head is turned into a little dog. Yeah. I love it. It's great. It's very much, like, again... Calling back to, like, the uh, the core from the last episode of the old show. Yeah. But this is a callback I don't mind so much, just because I like the idea 
that every medical mechanic or robot's defense mechanism is just whatever the smallest part of it is, it just turns into a dog so that people feed it and take care of it until it can fight again. Yeah. Uh, but it has, like, the Adamisk face on it still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it eats Ida's shadow. Right, this old woman, like, scoops up a dish of, like, the scrap metal and doesn't notice that Ida's shadow is mixed in with it and just feeds it all to Conti, uh, who, yeah, flashes her the Adamisk symbol to show his appreciation. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Haruko has finally finished digesting Jinyu, so her tummy is back to normal. Uh, and she sees Hidomi over, like, the, like, over the hill, and she yeah. is now, like, like you were saying, half robots, basically. This is a cool look. Like, half of her face, like, the skin is peeled off to reveal just metal underneath. Uh, and one yeah. of her eyes is just, like, a glowing red light. And then she, one of her arms is just a giant robot arm. And her, like, shirt is just open, billowing in the wind. Yeah. And, like, every time she swings her robot arm, just a giant pile of, like, uh, amplifiers come out of it and just fly everywhere. It's really cool. It's really cool. Uh, when Haruko first sees her, she gets a nosebleed. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but Hidomi is having none of Haruko's shit. Uh, she yeah. wants Ide back immediately. Yes. And starts, like, punching at Haruko, who is having to put more work in to dodge her than she did Ide. But, like, she's still not really breaking a sweat here. Yeah. Uh, and Hidomi is just, like, yelling at her that she's causing all this damage and hurting other people because she has a fucking crush on a bird, and that's stupid. Yeah. Uh, and before Haruko can, like say anything, the sky starts glowing red because Adamisk is here. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, is, is this episode of the next one where we get, like, shots of what, like, how Jinyu came into existence? Uh, next episode. I mean, we see it somewhat during the, like, in credits of everything. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, you explicitly see a scene of, like, Jinyu coming out of Haruko at some point. That's next episode. Okay. Well, I guess let's get to next episode, then. Yeah. Our running. Uh, not to spoil anything, but I still think episode five was probably the best one. Episode five is the best one. This one, I don't know how I feel about. Yeah. The amusement park mecha is still fighting Medical Mechanica and not doing very much. Yeah, it's mostly, like, ineffective, basically. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the sky goes red and Adamisk appears, uh, and things are getting crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Haruko gets excited that Adamisk shows up and, like, hits the roller coaster track with her guitar, which makes it start to transform, and it's, the track, like, slowly starts to coil around into the shape of a giant birdcage. Yeah. Which I like. Yes. I feel dumb because I didn't get that at first. Like, you see it, like, because it's still forming when you first see it. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't until it was, like, fully formed that I got, like, oh, it's a giant birdcage. Right, right. And this is, like, Haruka at, like, her most villainous. Right. But also, like, if you're taking the stuff she said about Adamesk in, like, the la- the fourth episode, like, seriously, then it's, like, a very, it's, it's more complex than maybe it looks like. Well, I mean, yes, not, but, like... Not an unvillainous, but there's just, like, more going on. Yeah. 
we see Adamus flying through space, and he is huge. Right. He is, like, uh, destroying all of these satellites. I like, we're, we, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I do like that once the birdcage is finished, uh, Adamus, like, descends, and Haruko is just like, oh, shit, this cage ain't nearly big enough. Yeah, no, this, this ain't it. <laughs> uh, Hidomi is, like, yelling at Haruko to give Ide back, uh, and she's, like, not quite crying, but she's, she's very upset. And Haruko starts and, making like, fun of her. Yeah, she's like saying, "Like you've got everything you want now. Just now, give Ida back to me." Right. And, and yeah. Haruko's like, "Oh, that's dumb. You're dumb. You're just a scared little girl." Right. You're just a whiny little brat. Just thing thing that if you throw a loud enough tantrum, people will give you what you want, and that's not how the world works. Uh. And basically says that if she wants something from Haruko, she's got to give something to Haruko. And she will give Ide back if Hidomi gives her all of her power. Yeah. And Hidomi is like, nah, fuck that. I'm just going to beat the shit out of you. Right. And Haruko says, yep, right answer. Yeah. Because uh, she absolutely wasn't going. She can't give Ide back. She's not in charge of that. No. She didn't take him. Now, uh, uh, so, yeah. So they have a fight scene right. where Harko is still barely dodging, but uh, Hidomi's Inno is helping fuel the all of it. Right, basically, yeah, by making Hidomi fight, she's making her like burn off Inno energy to charge up the birdcage. Meanwhile, Medical Mechanica starts to resort to... It starts shooting out these globs of stuff out of its, like, uh, steamers. Mochi. Mochi. But it also, like, pops, like, popcorn when it's exposed to the NO energy. Yeah, like, it would... I think that's something that can happen with mochi. Is it? Okay, that would make sense. It, <laughs> like, if you apply too much heat to it, I think it can, like, uh, deflate. Mm-hmm. Um, but these giant globs of mochi are just crushing everything in the city... Uh, we start to see that, like, anyone who touches it gets, like, turned to mochi, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and also I wrote, like, when, after that conversation in my notes, like, oh, I guess this is Nobi's character? Yeah. Like, I guess this is her, like, what she's actually like? Right, and I guess I can kind of see that character arc where, like... She was very passive and just kind of disconnected from the world and like, oh, she's learning she has to fight for the things she wants, that kind of thing. But I just don't think it all it doesn't gel. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. gel the way that the show wants it to. It doesn't feel like a character arc is more just like, oh, she's like this now. Right. Oh, she's like this now. Oh, she's like this now. Yeah, she's just a different character every episode, practically. Especially in this latter half. Yeah. Uh, we see that Aika is like running away from home. Yeah. And as soon as the uh, mochi starts falling, uh, she starts, like, heading backwards. Right. Uh, to the old, like, to the guys within the intelligence building. Mm-hmm. Uh, which a mochi falls on them. Yes. Uh, and that's when we see Adam is, like, fully there in the town. Right. He's kind of a little more concrete than he was at the end of the old show. Yes. Like, he has an actual form instead of being, like, an energy bird that you get one close-up of his head. 
He's just a big old yeah. bird. Uh, and so the fight between Harko and Hidobi is still going on, but right. she's just dodging and she's like, okay, thank you. Right. Because <laughs> she has helped her build this giant cage. Yeah. But not giant enough. Not giant enough. I said, she sees Adam Eskin just like, ah, shit. Yeah. And again, this is good horror, like Haruko content. Yeah. I, I like this. Uh, and she is like, wait, 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 he's huge! Right. Which is also, I, I just like the delivery on that. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, and he just starts to suck up the birdcage and it just coli- completely collapses. Her plan yeah. was stupid and didn't work. Yeah. And she, uh, he's sucking up Hidomi and Haruko along with everything else. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, there, go ahead. There's, I just, again, another Haruko line I like, which is she gets like a little cat face and she's like, well, this does look good. Yeah. <laughs> like, that—that that is still uh, something that th- throughout all of these, like, the two se- seasons we've watched, mm-hmm. Haruko's voice actor is so impressive. Oh, yeah, she's a great actress. Yes. Like, despite all my feelings on Haruko are... Right. Uh, complicated. Yep. Uh, but her acting is always really great. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Aiko goes back to see her dad, who is pinned under a bunch of rubble and is slowly turning into mochi. Yeah. And uh, he just kind of tells her, like, listen, you were kind of our last hope, and I'm... I'm so touched that you came back for me, but you need to get out of here. He reveals the jack-o'-lantern, which I guess he's known about the whole time. Yeah. And uh, just tells her to, like, take the money she's been saving up and get out of here like she's always wanted. She's free now. She's like, he's like, oh, you're about, you're gonna buy your freedom. Yeah. Uh, we also get a bit of the dodo uh-huh. And they're like, we need to run away, sir. And he's like, it's giving this whole speech of like, you know, the youth will, you know, help change the world. And like, yeah. And then just in the middle of his speech, he gets hit with a mochi and transforms into one. God, we talked so much about how nice the animation looked last episode. And like, they had a lot of cool different animation techniques. And even the parts that were obviously like lower frame rate, like it looked like a deliberate choice. This scene, like, every shot has just the mochi bombs flying through the sky, and it looks like shit. Yeah. It looks so bad. Yeah, like, they are just, they do not look like physical things. No, it's just, like, three different frames of the sky with just circles in different positions in each frame. Yeah. It's really bad. Uh, but after getting the money and seeing her dad and the old guy turn to Mochi, she takes out her phone where she has, like, 80 missed calls from Mori. Yeah. Uh, to get in touch with him. Buddy. Yeah. But she calls. Right. Uh, Hidomi and Haruko wake up wherever Adamus took them to. I don't know if this is supposed to be inside of him or just where he stores stuff that he steals or what it is. Yeah, but it's like... It looks a lot like the first area she dreamed about. Yeah, yeah. It's like a gr- like very light grayscale city where like her and Harko are the only colorful things for a few shots. Yeah, uh, and then the other only colorful thing is we see that the old lady from the satellite's there. Right, the whole satellite's there. 
Yeah. And she's uh, trying she's... to get Conti's head to work again, because all of a sudden it stopped, and she figures it must have been something it ate that disagreed with it. Yeah. And also, she's just got a basket of oranges. Yeah. <laughs> I like this old lady. Yeah, she's cool. Uh, Aiko is with uh, Goro, and he's like, oh, is this a real date? And she's like, shut the fuck up. Right. I think she says, it will be as long as you shut up. Yeah. I I was like, oh, man, actually, like, Aiko is a character. Like, <laughs> yeah. she's, she's fun. Yeah, it seems like they're really building something with her, and they'll do something neat with her by the end of this. Yeah. Yeah! Like, she's not, you know, been in a lot, but, you know, it's still cool. Right, but uh, clearly she's going to have a central role in the ending here, and, like, they've got time to really make her character arc resonant. Yes. Uh-huh. Of this person who's, like, just been fake the entire time, finally showing her true self. Exactly. Can't wait. Uh, but they run to Ide's house, because she's trying to find the flower pot, because apparently that is crucial to uh, all the plans. Yeah. Um, and Hidomi's mom is there because she thinks that Hidomi might be here because she knows that she is kind of dating Ide, sort of. Yeah. Uh, uh, and she's like, oh, is this your girlfriend? And he's like, well, actually, she's like, no. Yeah, yeah. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Aiko just kind of runs in and finds the flower pot right away. And uh, at the same time, the old lady inside of Adamesque, like, bats Conti's head to try and, like, get it to work again. And it goes flying and lands near Hidomi. And uh, uh, that triggers Aiko. Yeah. Her, like, ribbon turns out to actually be two leaves of a plant that grows out of her head and turns into an antenna. Yes. Because Aiko is a robot made out of Conti parts. Yeah. And it's... Huh. Huh. And, like, her eyes, like, turn into... Uh... Like, static. Static, and her mouth is open, and she ends up letting the Hidomi and her mom, like, talk to each other through that. Uh-huh, yeah. It's really cool how immediately after a scene about how Aiko has, like, more than earned, like, her freedom and she'd, like, go off and, like, make her own decisions, that she turns into a literal prop. Yes. Oh, it it's sucks. It's great. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks so fucking much. Uh, like, and I like this dialogue between Hidomi and her mom. Yeah, but- this was one of those, like, bits where I'm like, oh, I, I like, I get this emotional scene. Yeah. Even if I don't feel like it fits in with everything. Right. Because, like, Hidomi is basically, like, accusing her mom of, like, you know, oh, you're you're giving up the cafe and, like, you're giving up on everything and that sucks. And, uh, you know, you, you abandoned me just like Dad did. And uh, her mom kind of confides in her about how, like, you know, she was kind of crushed when their dad left and she wanted everything to just be the same. And that once her dad came back, she could start being a mother to Hidomi instead of a mommy to Hidomi, mm-hmm. which I still don't really understand, but I, I, I kind of do kind of. Uh, yeah. The, the best way to probably think of it is like now she is like very like acting like a mother, like, but not 
actually being for there for her emotionally. Right, I guess, like... I, I, think what, like, I think what they're trying to get at is, like, a mommy is good for, like, a young child, uh, whereas, like, a mother is someone you have a more complex relationship with and have, like, a more emotional relationship with. Yes. And, basically, she's going, like, I wanted everything to stay the same, but it was inevitable that you were going to change. Right. That yeah. you were going to grow up, you are going to, you know, start dating people, and you're going to become an adult. Right, and then, like, actually closing down the cafe wasn't abandoning Hidomi, it was trying to, like, acknowledge that, you know, their lives are changing and she needs to stop trying to, like, freeze-frame her life, at, like, when she was a kid. Yes. And Hidomi's response is like, well, let's keep the cafe open, but we'll just run it together as, like, partners, and it won't be about Dad, it'll be about us. Yeah. And they agree, and it's a very tearful, happy moment, and then it smash cuts to the cafe getting destroyed by a mochi bomb. Which is, yes. you know what? In a, in a show where the humor has been pretty hit or miss, that's a good joke. It's a good joke, and also I like it just as, yeah, things change. Right. And things you that are outside of your control. Yeah, yeah. That, like, even as you have this emotional decision that you finally come to and where you can understand each other and, like, make the decision, sometimes, oh, shit just happens. Right. Um, but... So all that actually did end up working for me. Yeah, I I think that thread works. Like, there's a lot of individual threads that I like about this stuff. It just doesn't weave together into a a tapestry, Hmm. if you will. (sighs) Anyway... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the old lady from the space station points out where Haruko's guitar is. Uh, could they just be eating oranges this entire scene? <laughs> yeah, Haruko has just been sitting uh, with the old lady eating her oranges and complaining about how this sucks. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, there's also a, a, a quick joke I like, which is she, like, hug... Uh, her mom hugs Aiko uh, right. as, like, them, like, you know, t- as, as their emotions are getting to them. Right, yeah, yeah. And at that moment, Aiko, like, comes back to her senses, and she's just like, wait, what? Right, well, it's very much, it emphasizes that, like, her face is buried in her mom's, like, chest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, And Goro is crying in the background because... Yeah. He just saw, like, this very emotional moment. Right, yeah. Uh, and, like, a robot bursts into the Atomisk Zone. I don't think they really establish if it's, like, a, a theme park robot or a medical mechanical robot. It doesn't matter at this point. Yeah. Uh, and it starts attacking them. And Haruko is, like, fighting off with her guitar. Well, before that, th- this is an important line. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sh- uh, they, uh, Hidamori goes up to Haruko and goes like, I'm leaving, and I'm going to take Ida with me, too. Yeah. Uh, and Haruko's like, that sounds good, but you're going to have to take off the headphones to do that. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And she, like, reaches up to do it and then hesitates. And Haruko's like, yeah, you're still just a dumb kid because you don't think about the consequences of your choices. You can't actually deal with having your headphones taken off. Yeah. And she goes, you can't take off your headphones and still remain human. Yeah. Which I was immediately like, oh. Right. 
the robot almost attacks Hidomi, but Conti grows his body back and stops it. Yeah. Our sure. friend's back, our good buddy. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's not Conti. No. It tries to, like, do charades to explain that it's Ida inside. Yeah. Uh, but can't get the point across, because it can't talk. I like its, uh, charades, at least. Yeah, it's like doing, like, glasses on its face. Yeah. Uh, so instead, it just reaches out and, uh, does not take the headphones off of Adomi, it just crushes them. Man. What? I think I know what you're gonna say, but go on. It fucking sucks that Hidomi couldn't make that choice herself. Yep. Sure does. It fucking sucks. Uh Uh-huh. It should have either been she actively makes that decision, or if you're not gonna do that, it should be like the cafe and circumstances should destroy them. Yes. Uh, And it's just like, hey, too bad that you're not ready to take them off. They're coming off whether you like it or not. Yeah. Whereas instead, it's Ida that does it for her. It's Ida who has done everything for Hidomi. Like, all of Hidomi's, like, major character beats are all because of actions of Ida. Yep, it's bad. Which is, like, makes me think, like, oh, is Ida the main character of this? But he's not. Neither of them really is. Because neither of them don't have enough character. They're both half a main character. Yeah, and it doesn't work like that. Like, I mean, like, it can work like that, right, but no, it doesn't... you can have two full main characters, but you can't have two half main characters to add up to one full character. Yes. Um, but she smiles uh, as the headphones shatter, and uh, her body transforms finally into the cool robot angel from the first episode. Yes. And so what I thought, like, I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. What if this just ends with... She's a robot now, and Ida's a robot now, and that's how they, like, live on. That would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she can no longer be the human that she was. Right. Like, she's been forced by circumstances to change and grow, and, like, she's not recognizable as who she used to be, but that's maybe an okay thing. Like, yeah, you could go that direction. Yeah. Uh, she's got her own guitar. Yeah, it's cool. It's pink and spiky. I like it. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, uh, and then they're like, oh, how are we going to get out of there? And then it cuts to the, like, the old lady rolling away her table and just going through an exit. <laughs> just through an exit door, which I think is just part of the, uh, satellite, and she didn't actually leave. But, but it's, it's very funny. <laughs> it's a funny gag. <laughs> also, just the image of her rolling away her table. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, a whole bunch of medical mechanical robots descend on them. As, and it's uh, all, all the ones that we've seen earlier Yeah, in the series. It's like three or four models just copy and pasted a bunch. Yeah, which I I know that's not how anim- like anime works. Right. Uh, no, obviously they didn't literally copy and paste stuff. Well, later. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But, like, it's, I don't know. There's some, again, I get it. I don't necessarily blame the show for, like, not having as much money to spend as the old one did. But it doesn't change the fact that, like, it openly invites comparison to something very beautifully animated. And it yes. can only, like, live up to that comparison a few times. Yeah. Um, then we cut to uh, Goro, Aiko, and Hidomi's mom. Yep. Who does have a name, I just 
yeah. can't be bothered to remember it. We, hey, you know what? Now his dad had a name too, and we never remembered it. Yeah. Uh. But they are biking up the hill, and Goro's bike just eventually like breaks into a million pieces. Yeah, because like he's going up at like a seventy degree angle. Yeah. And, uh, Goro and Adobe's mom land, like, f- flat on the ground, and Aiko, like, perfectly lands standing up. Right. And she walks to the, uh, medical mechanic plant, which is up, you know, standing yeah. up straight, and, like, leans against it and puts and, like, drops the plant. Mm-hmm. Which breaks. Uh-huh. And then she transforms into a giant vine thing. Yeah, her whole body just turns into vines that grow all over the the plant. Yeah. And her, like, human form just completely fades away. Yeah. And boy, like, that seemed real bad when it happened and I was grumpy. Yeah. And, like, what actually happens is better, but not that much better. Yeah, it's, again, like, Man, it's a bummer that you're, like, had this character that I was kind of getting into. Yeah. And then she's just really not, like, not doing anything for the rest of this series other than, like, this weird thing that... (laughs) Yeah, mm mm-hmm. It's... This part of where I was saying that this show feels like it has too many ideas to, like, do any of them well, which is that... I feel like you could have made a really great story where Aiko was the main character. Yeah. But because she is a tertiary character, you don't have time to really do anything interesting with her. And it just makes... Like, A, it makes everything about her feel unsatisfying. And because it's unsatisfying, it makes her entire presence in the show feel like a waste of time. Especially when the other main characters are underdeveloped in the ways we've talked about already. Hmm. It's like, yeah, what, why did you waste all my time with all of this dumb, like, fake Moe Girl stuff when you weren't going anywhere with it? Why didn't, why wasn't that screen time just given over to, like, coloring in Hidomi and uh, Ide more? Yeah, it's... Because, like, her fake day, like, it never goes anywhere. No. It just ends up here where, oh, it turns out that she's a plant robot. Right, like, again, the... It's another way that these latter two episodes feel disconnected from the first three, where, like, they were doing a thing in episode three where, you know, they've talked a few times at that point about how Hidomi, you know, people accuse her of having, like, an affected Sundere persona when, no, she's just kind of withdrawn. And then, meanwhile, Aiko does have an affected Moe persona. It's like, okay, you're clearly, like, thinking about creepy anime girl tropes right now. Yes. And like and people presume- who put on yeah. characters. People who put on characters, inter- people who project characters onto others. Yes. Like, you have a thought about that. I'm interested to see what you have to say about it. And like the answer whole, is nothing. Yeah, her whole bit at the end is like, it's weird that you like, this is what type of person you want. Yeah. And like, you could be like, extrapolate that if they went more into that of like, oh, like the people putting Sundari stuff on uh, Hidemoe is like in a similar thing. Hidomi is like a similar thing. Right. But 
that doesn't go nowhere because she eventually starts acting. Stop! Like, well, no, she never acted Sundari, really. Right? Yeah, she never was. And like, even if they had fully over with it, like, I think the best that would happen from it is just, oh, but Ida's the only one who sees the true her. Right. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's it it has a lot of ideas that it just fails to ever develop because instead it just abandons it in favor of different ideas. Yeah. And uh, it, that's frustrating. Earlier on, I wrote in my notes, well, I guess Iko's a weird-ass character. <laughs> yep, uh-huh. <laughs> like, the old FLCL was a complete thought, and it was a shitty thought that I don't like, but it was coherent from end to end, you know? Yes. This Every one is just a Every episode went podge. into this one specific thing that they were trying to say. Yes, which is that young boys should claim their masculinity by making out with adult women. Yes. <laughs> Which is terrible. Which is funny, because I think that we said, I said at the end of FLCL, the first season, Yeah. that it feels like way more wishy-washy with that. Uh-huh. Because sometimes it's like, actually, this is bad. And, like, yeah. Haruko's obviously a pedophile. Right. But sometimes it's like, oh, but no, actually, it's okay. Well, I feel like having sat on it for a few weeks now, I think what the message of FLCL is, which I think is actually pretty clear cut, but it's hard to parse because it's so bonkers. And you're like, well, surely that's not what they mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that, yes, Haruko is a pedophile, but the solution to that, like the resolution of that tension is, well, it's okay, though, because Naoto matured and now he can deal with her as like a peer. And that that makes it okay now. And part of, like, that solution is also, she just leaves. Oh, yeah, she also just leaves. Yeah. But, like, his, you know, again, his big crowning moment is that he says I love you and, like, makes the assertive move to kiss her instead of passively receiving affection from her. And, like, oh, he became a man in that moment and his whole brain turned into a giant bird of masculinity. Yes. And and that's bullshit and I hate it. I, I saw some people, because I was talking about this on Twitter. Yeah. Who were like, I don't know, like, it feels like that it, it is framing that as a bad thing, which I have a hard time agreeing with. Yeah, no, that, that moment, like, he he doesn't hit her, and, like, he depowers, it zooms on him blushing, and then he kisses her as the music swells dramatically, and it's a huge, beautifully animated sequence of, again, like, this manifestation of masculine energy bursts out of his head and, like, effortlessly destroys the villain of the show. Yeah. Like, it is supposed to be his big moment of triumph. Yes. And the character that you're supposed to laugh at is, like, yelling no. Right. Again, the, yeah, the character you're supposed to yell at is a uh, man who was sexually abused as a child and it has, like emotionally damaged him in a way that he can't relate to other people. Isn't that funny? Yes. This chumpo never managed to, like, mature enough to make out with an adult woman. Not like this Uh... kid. Like, it reminds me of... And this is, this is a really mean accusation, but I'm, I'm... I'll stand by it. Like, it reminds me of the kind of attitude that really shitty people take of, like... Yeah, of, like men and boys can't be the victims of sexual assault because they they like it and they would want it and you can't you know what i mean 
Yeah. Or it's like you get a story about like a, a female teacher that was like having sex with students and everyone's like, oh, how cool for those students though, right? And like, yeah. no, you monsters, that's a terrible thing to do to a person. Yeah, it's... <sighs> I like how we ended up in talking about FLCL I'm in still middle. mad about it. <laughs> it's really fucking sucks. Yeah. I, like, all the stuff that I think sucks in this show can't get me anywhere close as mad. No. The show isn't coherent enough to say something infuriating. No. And also, this show wasn't, like, my childhood. (laughs) Right, exactly. I didn't love this show as a kid and feel a deep sense of, like, shame that I ever liked it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I go turns into a giant plant. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, and kind of, like, neutralizes the medical mechanica plant that way. Yeah, uh, they're, like, going through, uh, like, the junk dimension. Yeah. And they're, like, fighting robots, and they just slam into one. And then go, like, oh, wait, there's another one. (laughs) Yeah, and it's, like, again, this is the last episode of the show, and it's just not... It, it looks like uh, an episode of the Flintstones where, like, they're just walking across one background over and over and it's looping. Yeah. It's like a Scooby-Doo chase scene. Yeah. And also, like, I feel like that's just a weird joke of, like, well, wait, why? Why is it like, oh, man, we failed. Oh, wait, there's another one, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't get what they're going for with that. Like, is it supposed to be funny? They're like, oh, we just didn't notice this one. Yeah, or I think, I don't even know if it's necessarily supposed to be a joke that, oh, hey, there's another one, so much as, like, there's holes everywhere, but, like, oh, they're closing fast, and, like, shit, we, oh, we, we gotta make this one happen, that kind of thing, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Ida, as Conte, like, holds it open. Right, he, like, throws the whole space station through the hole, and, like, it takes, like, two frames for him to do it, so it's easy to miss, but you yeah. get, like, one frame of that old lady being like, what? As she just goes flying through the hole. Again, old lady, great. Old lady's great. Uh, and then, yeah, he holds it open for Haruko and uh, Hidomi to escape, but then the whole, like, caves in and seems to, like, crush him. Yeah, and she's like, Conti! Because, like, Haruko the entire time, like, she's seen Conti, is just like, wait a minute, hold on. Right. Uh, but... They, like, reappear, the space station is just floating above the city, and uh, the sky has turned blue again, and they're both looking around confused, but uh, Conti, who's, like, glowing red with Atomisk power, is just floating above them. Yeah. And he flashes the Atomisk symbol on his face, and Haruko gets excited, and then it changes to, like, Ide's glasses on the screen, and Hidomi gets excited. And then uh, it turns into, like, a combination of the two. Well, no, it turns into kissy lips. Oh, is that... Okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, it turns into big old lips. Uh, they're, before it does that, they're both, like, calling to it. Like, it's like, oh, which which of us will our dog come to? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it turns into lips, and they realize they have to fight over who gets to kiss the robot. Sure. Yeah, they fight, and uh, Haruko smashes the glass of uh, Hidomi's robot face, and it seems like she's won, so she flies up to Conti, but then uh, Hidomi's robot body, like, flies up to catch up to her, and Hidomi, like, comes out of the hole in the screen. 
Yeah. And uh, kind of like pulls herself up past Haruko, and they both kiss Conti at the same time. Yeah. And this, are they seriously turning the climax of it into who gets to smooch the boy? Yeah, they did. Like, really? That's where yeah. you're going? Yeah. Like, the, after all the time we've spent with Hidomi, it's just gonna be, oh, that's all she wants is to smooch this boy. And, like, it, it, like, I don't know, something about the way that they animate her in this just makes her seem... I don't even know what the word is, but I I just don't like any of this. No. Like it becomes it, a becomes like a harem anime all of a sudden. Yeah. Ugh. But uh they both kiss Conti for a long time and then fall to uh Earth again. The old lady is like put out a bunch of mattresses for Hidomi to land on. Because again, <laughs> she's great. And uh both of them start to puke up their respective crushes. Yes. Hidomi starts, uh, or no, uh, Conti starts, like, puking up black bile, while Haruko starts puking up, like, red glowing energy. And after, it's after she was, like, transformed to, like, her, like, ultimate self for a bit. Yeah, she, like, managed to eat Adamus. She's, like, this, she's an energy form, and there's, like, this glowing red fire energy in her belly, but then it starts to expand in her, and, like, yeah. stretch her stomach out all, like, gross... And it starts to explode out of all of her facial orifices. Yeah. She's, like, puking through her nose. It's gross. It's, it, it's good. Yeah, yeah. That, but, yeah that's that, good. Yeah, this part's fine. Uh, but, yeah. Conti pukes up this black gunk that, like, turns into Ida. Yeah. Uh, who's, who's naked. Naked. Sh- sure. <laughs> He's clothed I, the next time we see him, so I don't even know why he's naked. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, just to very quickly go back to the whole, like, it ends on it with a kiss. Yeah. Like, it, I was really interested to know, like, oh, what is FLCO going to be like with a female main character? Right, that would have been, yeah, uh-huh. Like, what's, like, the old FLCO is all about this, like, young boy's sexuality. What is it going to be about when it's, like, about a teenage girl's sexuality? And yeah. it seemed like it was, I didn't know if I was into where it was going, but the weird, like, BDSM angle of it was like, well, that's certainly a take to have on this idea. And then it just ends with, like, she just wants the guy. Yeah. Like, that, that. that is all that she wants. Like, that makes her emotionally better. That makes her... Right. It's just, man... And again, like, hmm... I don't object to it ending on a kiss. Like, the kiss at the actual end, I'm fine with. Oh, yeah, that it's, part's It's that fine. her entire, like, climax is about racing to be the first one to get to smooch this boy. Yeah. These boys. Yeah, the, yeah, this, this coalition of boys. <laughs> um, but all the goo that Haruko puked up turns into this glowing humanoid form with big glowing eyes and Adamisk symbol on its forehead. It kind of looks like, um, the anti-spiral from Gurren Lagann. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't say anything, it just looks at her, and she's like, no, this isn't fair, I ate you. Like, you belong to me now. And she, like, holds out her, uh, like, bracelet with the chain on it, and a bunch of energy chains shoot out of it towards him, but then they, like, stop. Yeah, and she, like, ends up, like, trying to use a guitar, but, like, everything's stopping in front of it. Yeah, and then it's she, like... It's got an AT field. Right. So then she just kind of, like, starts throwing a tantrum and just punching him in the face, 
Uh, and the punches are going through, but he's not reacting to it. And she's mm. yelling about how it's not fair. Like, why won't he let himself belong to her? And she's just yelling your mind over and over again. Yeah. And then she drops, my body's overflowing. Yep. Yeah. Which, yeah, like, this part doesn't work as well as the last one did. Well, and, like, she starts to cry, and, like, are you really gonna make me, try to make me feel sympathetic for Haruko at this point? And, like, I feel like you can at least, like, go into that with her, like, still being this horrible person, like, her being pathetic in a way. Yeah, if you wanted to make her pathetic, and if you wanted to emphasize the idea that... Again, like, she's actually, like, a perpetuate, a, a, a perpetuator of, like, a cycle of abuse. That's an interesting way to go. And, like, actually, when she first started breaking down, I was, like, into it. But then that read kind of breaks because Adamus just hugs her and holds yeah. her. And she breaks yeah. down crying while they embrace. Yeah. And that, like, no. Like, uh-uh. I, it, no. And she's, like, blushing, and... Right. They kiss, and then Adamus grows wings and takes off. Right, he flies away, and that humanoid form is left behind where he's standing, and it's just Jinyu. Yeah. And Haruko breaks down crying that she thought she was finally gonna get what she wanted this time, and, and the two of them just hug it out. And, like, no, that's not... No, yeah, it's... It ends up kind of landing where it's like, oh, you almost want to root for Haruko and her owning someone else. Right. Like, that the abuse that Haruko perpetuates of her... Yeah. Like, and the abuse that, like, Mamimi did. Right. Of, like, no, you're mine. Yeah. I own you, like, as a as a emotional partner. Right. Uh, is just something that it, we're supposed to cheer. It's so bad. Yeah, they, it's so, like... Uh, again, the old show, I really hate what its message is, but I at least understand it. This one is so confused about what it's even trying to say. Yeah. Like, like Haruko just flips so fast through being, like, a villain to a sympathetic villain, to a victim, to, like, the hero that we're supposed to root for, to, like, this tragic figure. And, like, you... It's possible to make all of that work, but they didn't do it. No. It just feels really tonally... off. And then it starts bringing back Jinyu's speech about the fireworks. Right, and about, like... The point of Jinyu's speech is basically that, like, you know, e like, the fireworks only look good because there's such a dark night sky against them, and, like, basically, like, life has bad parts and good parts, and you, like, it, you have to take both into account, and the fireworks fade into the darkness eventually. Uh, and Ida is just like, yeah, uh-huh, that's, that's deep shit right there. Yeah. It just... Man. Yeah. Uh, all of the, like, mochified people start to turn back to normal. 
Well, I, this is something I actually uh, liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was the first one we see is that the guy in the dodo costume actually just cut his way out. Only the dodo costume had got. Oh yeah. Transformed. <laughs> that is a good touch. And like the entire castle just like cracks open like an egg, and Marco is just on like one of those like rides in front of a grocery store for toddlers. Yeah. Yeah, and that was like the pilot seat of the mech, I guess. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, where Ico destroyed the medical mechanica plant, a huge like plant has grown, and it blooms into a giant pumpkin that she hatches out of naked. Yeah. And you don't see anything because like she's curled up in a fetal position and she's got really long hair that kind of like covers her up. Mm-hmm. And she's huddling. She, she's like holding on to the uh, the ceramic jack o' lantern full of money. And uh, Mori catches her, and they kind of like laugh. Like she calls him an idiot, but like affectionately. Yeah. And they laugh, and I guess they're dating now. Sure, why not? Yeah, sure. Who cares anymore? Uh, the giant satellite hits right next to them. Right, like comes within inches of crushing them. Yeah. And so at this point, I'm like, wait, so is it just, like, all of the char- like the named characters we know survive, but no one else? Right. Because we don't actually see the people turning back in from... I guess not. I guess it's just assumed, but you're right. Well, we see eventually some of them start turning back. Okay, okay. Um, but, uh... Ide is, like, blushing as he talks to Haruko and explains that... Yeah, even though she definitely did some uh, very inappropriate sex things with him before the first episode, he just doesn't like her in that way, and he hopes that he's not hurting her feelings. Uh, but, you know, he really wants to be with Hidomi, and she just, like, cracks up laughing at the idea that, like, she cares even a little bit. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, Haruko's still supposed to be, like, a cool... Right. Like, you know, she's she's a stinker. Yeah. Uh, well, and then there's also her conversation with Hidomi, which is, like, as she's talking, we see, like, Jinyu driving away with still in the, like, back seat. Yeah. Which still is cool. It's a cool look. Uh, and she's like, oh, I get it now. It's like, it's because, you like, you can't have it. That's why you want it. Right. And Haruka's just like, yep, you got it. And I'm like, and okay, cool. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, and then she just hops on the Vespa and says, hey. Do whatever you want. That's what I'm going to do. And just drives off into the sky. Yeah. And then we just get an end credit sequence of, like, everything kind of... Like, Marco is driving the kitty ride through the rubble now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, are... Go ahead. Iko is wearing uh, uh, Mori's shirt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, the... Old lady is using a watering can to turn people back to normal. Yeah, and she's the chief now, and she drops that the red-haired guy. Oh, who right. looks Like the eyebrows dude is the eyebrows dude's son. Yeah, yeah, he's he's Amaro Junior. Uh, because you finally see that under his hat he has tiny eyebrows. Yeah. Uh. Uh, yeah. They put up the cafe sign, and they're, like, serving people uh, in the cafe. Like, right, even though it's, is, like, completely destroyed. It's just a couple of tables set around the rubble. 
Yeah, uh, Conti is now working there, and he's wearing the maid uniform. Yeah. And yeah, I guess it, there's a, a Goro and uh, Aiko are both sipping out of the same like, yeah. drink, so I guess they're dating. Sh- sure. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, and meanwhile, Hidomi and Ida are at that art show that he went talking about in the first episode. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that is good. I was thinking it was just like part of the Medical Mechanica building that was left over. But no, you're right. It's it's the art exhibit that was on his tickets. Yeah. And it's just like a bunch of digital numbers changing. And like they all start to wink out. And as they do, they lean in to kiss each other. And then it cuts to credits before they actually kiss. Yeah. And like that's that's all fine. Like I, I like that last shot. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. What do you... Now that you've seen the whole thing and we've talked through the whole thing, how how do you feel about about FLCL Progressive? It, man, mm-hmm. It just kind of fucking sucks. It's just not that good, is the thing. Yeah. Like it's not even really bad in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. It's it's just kind of. Eh. Like, it, it just feels unfocused, and, like, they didn't really know what they wanted to say other than, hey, Fooly Cooly was cool, what if we got some more money? Yeah, but not that much more money. Right. And, like, the only things I get really mad about in this are when so many character choices are, like, get taken away from characters. Yeah. Specifically, like, all the female characters. Yes, yeah. Even, like, the ostensible, like, protagonist. Yeah. Like, it could have been a moment where it's, like, she, like, makes the choice to... Like you are saying, like, she either makes the choice to, uh, like, go forward and she goes, like, even though I know nothing will be the same after I do this... Right. I'm going to do it because I need to do it. Right. Or if something outside of that change, like, does it, like, the mochi falling on the cafe, that, like, no, this gets changed no matter what. Right. And having Ida as Conti do it just is a bummer. It sucks. Yeah, and, like, mm, I don't want to say that, like... Because in the abstract... You could also tell a story about how, like, hey, like, making connections with other people kind of can build you up and push you out of, like, places that you've kind of withdrawn into. And, like, that's fine. But the literal image of it being him reaching out to break her, like, metaphorical chains. Yes. As opposed to her doing anything her being paralyzed with fear at the idea of doing something and then having it done for her. Yeah, and then, like, her smiling because, like, oh, it happened, but I wasn't involved. Right. Yeah, it's bad. It's just... It's a thing that just... It sucks. It sucks. Right. And, like, we talked about Ika, and, like, even that said, like, I'm focusing on the female characters because that's what I focus on. Yeah. Like, I don't think, like, any of the other character choices are, like, that incredible. No. Like, Marco could not be in the show. Yeah. He's useless. 
Like, the closest thing he gets to a focus episode is four, and he's barely in it. Yeah, and the whole focus is, I like this girl now that she's not how she usually is. Right. And that's the one beat he has. Yeah. Like, Goro is in more of it. Yeah, but he, like, doesn't ever move on from his initial characterization. Yeah. He's just completely one note, where it's... And that note is kind of annoying friend, who's sort of a know-it-all and is whiny about not having a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And it could have done something where it's, like, he steps the fuck up and, like, actually, like, does something that proves that he has, like... I'm, getting, I'm trying to phrase this in a way that is not, like, horrible. Like, has worth to Aiko, like... Right. Oh, this is why I would date you, and yeah. not just for money. Right. After the last three episodes, or the first three episodes, where I thought they were going to go... Well, okay, not where I thought they were going to go, because I wasn't sure, but where it felt like they could have gone was that, like, uh, Goro has this like moment where he hires a girlfriend for the day, basically... And Marco finds out about it, and Goro is, like, very ashamed, and Marco, like, feels, like, incredibly sorry for him. I Part of me was like, are they setting it up where, like, they're gonna get together, Marco and Goro? I also thought that. That seemed like a, a direction that would make some kind of sense. But that, just nothing comes with that. Nothing comes with that at all. That scene just basically may as well have not happened. Yeah. It's just, like, a quick comedy beat. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Again, it just feels like the show constantly thinks of ideas, and it's like, oh, that would be an interesting idea to structure a show around. But then instead of doing that, they just think of the next idea and ditch the old one. Mm-hmm. Like, and, oh, like, yeah. with Aiko and uh, Hidomi, you could have, like, put forward this thing of... Because they were both, like in some ways projecting humanity mm-hmm. of like oh what if they are like because they are both like we don't ever get like a hundred percent what Hadomi is no and again like that's I don't need that you know you don't have to explain that yeah um but, like, if you're gonna not explain it, her transforming into a robot needs to mean something. Yeah. And especially because she just turns back and it stops being a thing, like, it kind of doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like, nothing ever really happens with it. Right. And what I thought, like, could have been an interesting way to go about it is... That these two, like, robot people... Yeah. ...trying to imitate humanity. Yeah, or, like, the idea that, like, now that they've turned into robots and, like, stopped putting up this facade of what they want people to think that... How how they want people to think they are, like, they can be themselves and can actually, even though they're robots, be more emotionally vulnerable. Which is just 100% not the case. No, not at all. they actually do it, because... Aiko becomes not a character when she's a robot plant monster. And uh, Hidomi, like, 
gets her like she doesn't really also have any emotion when she's a robot she just eventually turns back into looking like a human right well the emotion she has while she's a robot is uh smooch machine yes is fighting for smooches yes it's just uh, like again why did you spend so much time in the early episodes like really hammering home the idea that she like is sexually aroused by violence. If you were just going to abandon it's that so idea, weird. Like that's a that is... that's a weird direction to go. If you're just going to drop it, yeah. It it's something that like was such a focus for so long of the show. Yeah, that the fact that it is never brought up again, right, is so bizarre. It's yeah. Uh huh. <sighs> yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. Like, I I at least thought it was going to be like, okay, well, obviously, it's going to all wrap back around to where she has this dream about, like, this, like, medical mechanic-inspired apocalypse, where there's, like, an atomist skeleton. At least I think that's what that's supposed to be. Yeah. And, like, all of these irons, like, that have destroyed this city, and then she turns into a robot to fight them. Like... I thought, obviously, that is going to foreshadow the finale of the show, and you get some of the imagery of that moment, but, like, nothing, like, then it just doesn't go anywhere. It's it's so many pieces that are intriguing. It's like you've got a thousand different pieces from a thousand different jigsaw puzzles, <laughs> and then just kind of threw them out on the table, and you can kind of see where there's an interesting picture in there, but they don't fit together at all. Mm-hmm. It... Yeah, this... While the original Fully Cooly is a lot of, like, ah, oh, this could have been cool, but you kind of fucked it up. Right. Fully Cooly Progressive just feels like... <sighs> yeah. Like, it has 50 million things going on, and, like, 12 of those things work. Yes. Yeah, I I don't know. They, they, they botched it. Yeah. And, again, it's not even, like, I think FLCL1 is almost, like, reprehensible. Yeah. But at least it's, like... Bad in a kind of fascinating way. This is just mm-hmm. normal bad. This is yeah. normal bad with a couple flourishes of here's how it m- could be good but isn't. Yeah. And with knowledge that... Like, with them constantly calling back to something that was somewhat better. Yeah, yeah. Now, I will say, I have heard people say that the next series of uh, FLCL is a lot better than this one. Yes. I have universally heard that that's the good one. Yeah. So, fingers crossed. Yeah, and I also know that that stars an adult. Uh, does it? I thought, it's, I thought, it, I thought it was like a high school student. I thought it was a teacher. Um, I may be totally wrong on that. There might be a teacher character in it. I think the the main girl is a high school student. Okay. From what I 
from what I remember of the first episode, it's she's in high school and her friends are in high school. And Haruko's around, but I don't remember, like, what she's doing. And, like, their whole thing is they're trying to build, like, a model rocket as, like, a science project. Okay. And then there's, like, a thing where, like, the the alien attack is, like, a giant... It looks like a pin from, like, a like GPS app, like, drops down on top of their house. Hmm. Which it was, like, an interesting visual, at least. Yeah. Okay, yeah, they are high school students. Yeah. So, we'll see. Hopefully that one will be good. Do you want to just do the first three episodes of that one? I feel like we talk long enough that maybe we have to. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we have a four-hour episode in us. No, no. We do, but I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some questions. They're basically unrelated to Fully Cooly. Well, we, we can run through them real fast. Uh, this is from uh, Pitmon. These are all questions that got asked last week, but I forgot to say anything. Gotcha. Because we were just in such a daze. Yeah. Uh, from at Pidmon. Uh, what would your mech anime involve for its foes? Oh, huh. Do you, do you have a good answer? Uh, I'm trying to think of, like, a theme like the house appliances. Yeah, yeah. I remember, uh, it wasn't for enemies, but my idea for a mech anime as a kid was, like... Kind of more live, sort of humanoid mecha, kind of like Eva's. Yeah. But then, like, the the neck, instead of having a head, it would just, like, level off into a big platform. And then, like, the way you would pilot it is you would just, like, the platform <laughs> would have, like, a holographic projection of the city on it. And you would just, as you walked on this platform, the, the robot, like, mimicked you. Which That's I thought good. was neat. Yeah, I still yeah. think is neat. Uh, but, yeah, for enemies, um, I mean, part of me just wants to say other mecha because I liked G Gundam a lot as a kid. Yeah. Just windmills. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. You, you've had these questions for over a week. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm busy. All right. Playing a lot of Mario Maker. Yeah, some of that. <laughs> um, from at Dormingu, what more metaphorical story would you like to tell through anime, either for yourself or others? That's such a broad question. Yeah. Uh, do you have an answer for this one? I, I guess like the easy answer is like my transition. <laughs> oh sure, that'd be that'd be good. What, what, would, the, like... what would the metaphor be? Uh. I guess, like, that you are, like, that the person is, I don't know, like, a monster almost, but, like, living uh -huh. among humans. Sure. Uh, and it's, like, they're trying to, like, both try to fit in, but also, like, definitely feel like they don't fit in. Mm -hmm. Also, I don't want it just to end with, like, then they turn human. Maybe right. they turn into a different type of monster. Oh, yeah. There you go. That they are still them, but... Right, right. What? I don't... I feel like this is way... <laughs> this is just... What kind of story would you like to write? And, like, I... What... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got two questions, we got two answers. I feel like that's... <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. I don't know. I... 
run RPG campaigns where I make big, weird metaphor monsters. Yeah. Listen to those, I guess. <laughs> I've run an RPG campaign about a, like, static man who's like the embodiment of capitalism. Go, go listen to that when it, like, has a session once a month. Yeah. Uh, do we have any more, or is that it? That's it. All right. Does that mean it's time to get out of here? Yeah. Where, 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 where can people find you online, Ashley? Uh, you can find me online with, at Librarian with an underscore on Twitter and a dash on Tumblr. Uh, you can also find all the podcasts I'm on, well, almost all of them, at audioentropy.com. Uh, some, lots of other great podcasts that I'm not on on that, including uh, Teenage with Attitude, yeah. uh, Bo Show and Tell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lots of great stuff. Yeah, check it out. Um, and you can find my Patreon at patreon.com slash Ashley Lee Minor. Uh, Luke, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SSJ Speed Racer. Uh, you can find podcasts I do on AudioEntropy.com, like uh, Let's Place, which is a video game podcast. Uh, totally Reprise, which I do with you and our friend Molly. Uh, mm-hmm. All about Totally Spice, where we bring this level of media critique to that show. <laughs> uh, MCU Complete Me, which is about Marvel movies and why they're all bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're going to PAX West this year, uh, on Friday, I think at 6 p.m. in the Sandworm Theater, uh, I am hosting a live Let's Place episode. You're gonna be on it. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so come to that. It'll be fun. Um, yeah, that's basically it. All right. Uh, until next time. Oh, right. Nothing ever amazing happens here. Nothing ever amazing happens here. <laughs>